Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Could have picked up workbook number three on your way in. And uh, the last part, again, the first, first workbook was the person of the Holy Spirit. The second part was the power of the Holy Spirit. And this last part, we're going to talk about the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Now, there, there's a couple of big sections. Uh, one of the sections Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, and that's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We will not be able to get into that. We're going to at some point, I promise you. We will not be able to get into that. You'll see that it's referenced and touched on as we go through the workbook, but we won't be able to get into that, so I don't want you to be disappointed if you're waiting for that, but you have my promise. We're going to, we're going to get into a study, and we're going to have the opportunity to explore and to develop that as well. But I really want to talk about, uh, based in Mark chapter 16, some things that Jesus said that every single Christian should be actively engaged in demonstrating. And and those things are what the Bible calls signs. Signs that confirm that there's a living God who, who is part of your life, and that living God does supernatural things for you and supernatural things in you, and he wants to do supernatural things through you. Now, I know as soon as I say that, some of you are like, oh my God, see, I knew it, I knew it, here, here it comes. Yeah, we got through the tongues part, but here it comes, now things are gonna get crazy, and this word gets weird. Listen to me, I'm gonna renew my promise to you over and over. I promise you, it will not get weird. I will never put you in a position where you're not ready, you're, where you're, you, know, you feel like you have to believe something or do something that you're not ready for. That's not my job as a pastor, and that's not what we will do, I promise you. But here's a couple of goals I have in the, in the next four lessons. Okay, I, I want to walk you through some scripture, and I want you to understand, maybe more than you ever have, I want you to understand what the Bible means when it talks about signs and wonders. What is that? Because lots of people know, you know what they think it means. Lots of people know they went to a service and it was just kind of what, what is going on and they think it means that. And, and we, we have all these different definitions. Some of them are right. Some of them are kind of sort of right. Some of them are just you know, expressions. And so we want to come back and say, what does the Bible mean when it says signs and wonders? And a couple of things that go with that, why are they relevant for today? Why does the Bible say that every believer, not just pastors, not just you know, preachers, evangelists, not just people that are like super excited about this. Every single person that's confessed the Lord Jesus Christ should be actively engaged, participating in and receiving from the power of the Holy Spirit. You should know what it looks like. You should know how, how, to, how to receive it, how to activate it in your life, and how to activate it in the life of others. And listen, you don't have to be a theologian. I promise you, this is, this is really not rocket science stuff. It's pretty simple. And, and, uh, and so that's the first thing. We're going to unpack it. Here's, here's the second goal, and I'm just going to be vulnerably honest with you. Um, my prayerful goal is that everybody at Lakeshore Christian Fellowship on all of our campuses, as we begin to study, will engage. Everybody. And, and I know that's a big thing. And again, don't forget, I've already promised you I'm not going to make it feel weird, all right? You get to choose whether you engage or not. But I'm telling you, by the time we get done studying this, you're going to be like, oh yeah, we totally need that. 
We, we absolutely need that. And, and I'm praying the Holy Spirit would help you to understand that. Um, and so we're gonna look at that. So we're gonna let scripture, uh, we're gonna let scripture unfold. And for the most part, the whole book's gonna stick to this one passage in Mark chapter 16. It's part of the Great Commission where Jesus outlines the Great Commission. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and he who believes will, will be, uh, and, and is baptized will be saved and he who doesn't believe will be condemned. And a lot of people say, yep, that's the Great Commission. We get it. We're supposed to be witnessing for Christ. We're supposed to be preaching for Christ, which a lot of people don't, by the way. But we know we're supposed to at least. We've accepted that. We get it, right? But then he goes on and he says, and these signs will follow everyone who believes. And he gives five supernatural signs that were intended to authenticate your life as a believer. You don't just say you're a Christian. It's like, watch my life and you'll see, I am. I'm a follower of a living Christ. And he says, these signs should be authenticating every life. But listen, he, he puts a condition. Well, every life of those who believe... So if you kind of read the first part of the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of freaked out about doing that, so I don't really do it a lot. Uh, it's more like the great omission for me. But the great commission, I get it at least. I believe it. I know we're supposed to be witnessing. We're supposed to be sharing the gospel because this is really serious. People's eternities are on the line. I get that part. But it's like the next part, either we don't read or we just gloss over it or we read it and think, well, that was for the apostles, the, uh, the, the disciples turned apostles, or that was for the New Testament church, or that's for the preachers now. Or some of those, you know, super crazy uh, Christians. But listen to me, Jesus said every single believer should be engaged in the Great Commission. And part of the Great Commission I know some people are not comfortable with this, but it's still true. Part of the Great Commission is not just preaching the gospel. It's preaching the gospel and then demonstrating or authenticating the reality of the gospel by learning to engage, to receive from, and to engage in five supernatural signs. And again, by the time we get done explaining them, you will understand exactly what they mean, and you'll understand they're not spooky, they're not weird, um, there, there's something that every single one of you need in your personal life, in your family, I promise you. And when you begin to realize what God promised, then, uh, then you'll begin to share with other people. So let's just kind of get started and read just the first part of Mark chapter 16, verse 17. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. That's a definite article, by the way. So th this is not like, you know, this is probably going to happen, or this is a little bit of a, you know, potential cause and effect. This is a promise from Jesus. He said, there's no question about it. There's absolutely no hesitation here. There's no, you know, like, well, maybe, but maybe not. This is an absolute statement of fact. Those people who believe that God's telling the truth and are willing to engage these authenticating signs, he said, you watch, those signs will follow their life. Those signs will be evident, and people may not agree with what they say. They may not agree, you know, with how they look. They may not agree with how they dress, and, but they will not be able to deny. These people believe what the Bible says, and their life is proving it. Not just conversation, demonstration. And we're going to see what that means here. Uh, so first of all, let me, let me kind of take you on a journey, because I want, you to, I want you to think about 
how, I want you to understand from the Bible how important this supernatural power stuff is. Because, you know, I, I lose a lot of people right away when we start the study. They're like, okay, I, I, I want to learn more, but I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't want to be involved in all that stuff. I don't want that spooky stuff. It's just not me. I'm really not into it. But I want you to understand, listen, signs and wonders consistently through the Bible are always correlated with the believer to the point that all the way up to date, they're still as relevant as salvation. They're as relevant as any other place, any other promise, any other area in the Bible that God promises financial blessing, health for your marriages, wisdom for your family, you know, uh, uh, security in, in the, your careers and, and how those things work and God, God's gonna help you. God, all those things that are relevant for today, this is right in that list. All of these things, and they correlated with the life of a believer, but we're kind of in the same place 2,000 years later. We're in the same place with signs and wonders that a lot of people are with speaking in tongues. A lot of Christians don't understand them. They become convoluted. They become confusing, therefore controversial, and, and people just stand off like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I, I just, I, that's just not me. And we give all of these excuses that sound rational, but really, they're, they're just kind of, you know, helping us to, to stay in a comfort zone and, and find justification for this. And, and I'm telling you, the scriptures are offering us something that is so profoundly supernatural that when you begin to understand, you're like, how, how am I living without that? We have to have this. And you're going to see today, we have to have it, especially as we lean in to these last days. But, but here's what else is interesting. Uh, it's not less controversial, and it's not less standoffish, even for a lot of people who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. I mean, you're already out in Crazyville, right? Where, where a lot of people are concerned. Now, you're not now because you understand exactly what it is. You know it's not just some, you know, fanatical, wild rambling. And you know exactly what tongues are because we've studied it from the scripture. You know how to use it. You know how essential it is to build and supercharge your life. You, you know what it means to have a teapot on the stove, at least those of you that were here last Sunday night. You recognize we have the, uh, the responsibility, but we have the privilege to use this, this prayer language to energize our life and to focus us and help us to, to hear from the Lord with accuracy. All of those things are important. And yet, those same Christians are reluctant to step out into a demonstration of the power of God. Uh, it's only because of all the, uh, the controversy. It's only because of confusion. But we're going to look through this and we're going to understand that there's an expectation. I don't mean a demand. I don't mean anything that has condemnation attached to it. But there's an assumption in, in the New Testament that once you got born again, of course you want to get water baptized. And once you did that, of course you want to be baptized in the Spirit. And of course you want this personal prayer language with the Lord. Talk about intimacy. Talk about accuracy. Talk about the ability to navigate life's confusion. Of course you want that. And of course I'm going to demonstrate an authentic life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of the tenor or the tone that the whole New Testament's written in. It's not even defending this. Because it just assumes that if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, that from the world's point of view and now from a lot of the Christian community's point of view, you're kind of fanatical about believing that the Bible's telling the truth. 
and depending on Jesus to do what he promised he would do. But again, here's Jesus' promise back to you that these signs will happen and will authenticate that your life if you'll believe. And so in order to believe, we have to understand, we have to know what, what, in, what, what in the world are we talking about. So today we're just going to dive in and we're going to look at three truths about signs and wonders that Jesus has promised uh, will authenticate the life of a believer. So in your workbook, we're on page number five and you'll see the, the, the heading there, what are signs and wonders. And we're going to lean back into workbook number two in lesson chapters, uh, lesson six into Matthew 24. We covered it just super briefly, but we need to cover from a little bit different angle and we're going to glean from it today. And Jesus is talking to his disciples from a prophetic sense. He's telling some things that are going to happen in the future, some things that starting with them, they're going to watch unfold, but this is going to keep on going and accelerate all the way until Jesus returns again. We're not there, but we can see that it's getting closer. And so we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 24. Now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. In order for us to, to, to begin to, to really understand, uh, it's a pretty thorough, deep dive into Matthew 24. Not like, you know, theological seminary, but a, but a pretty thorough, so a practical working knowledge. So I'm going to try to touch on a bunch of words today, and I'm just going to depend that you're going to, you're going to stay with me, stay with the workbook, and uh, we're going to make this make sense. Because I'm telling you, when the lights come on, you will never, ever see this the same again. Never. And once you see it the way the Bible intended, your life will, will, will change. Your decision-making will change. And, uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to, to understand what Jesus said. Here we are, Matthew chapter 24, verse number 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. We covered this in lesson six, but just as a quick review, look again at the, at the phrase, take heed. It comes from one single Greek word, and it literally means to focus your attention or to put all of your, your, your eyes and your thoughts, all of your attention on something so you could understand something. In fact, this little Greek word, blepo, the only time it was infused in a text was to jar your attention. It was kind of like us saying, you know, we're, we're talking, talking, and all of a sudden, okay, okay, now pay attention. And that's the cue in our culture to say, okay, if you were sleeping before, don't sleep right now because this is really important. Or, or for us to say, okay, now be careful or beware or caution. This is, this is really important. Here's a warning for you. And all of our ears kind of perk up. That's what this meant. When Jesus said, take heed, he's saying, okay, listen to me, pay sharp attention right here. And here's what he's saying, pay attention to. He said, take heed that no one deceives you because as we get into the end days, deception is going to be rampant. And this word deception is a Greek word that means that it can apply to an individual, it can apply to a family, it can apply to a group, it can apply to a community, to a state, to a whole nation. But it's talking about some, something that's coming along in order to pull you off course morally. In other words, you once believed in truth, you once believed in something right, but this is something that's come along to bait you, to kind of lean you and cause you to begin to drift. So according to Jesus, he said at the end of the age, spiritual things are going to become so confusing that even devout believers need to pay close attention. You can't just be going to church. You can't just be saying, well, you know, but we're Christians. We just go to church. We just listen to podcasts. And you need to pay attention to what you're listening to. 
and where you're going in order to avoid deception. This is real to the point that Jesus is saying, hey, pay attention because this is really serious here. In fact, Paul picks up on it later. He's 50, 60 years later now after Jesus said this. And here's what Paul writes to Timothy for the church of Ephesus in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. In other words, he says, as we get into this, this is going to increase. It's going to be all different versions of, of Christianity, all different versions of serving Christ. And he said, it's going to be slippery because it's going to sound at first like, no, I, I kind of think that's right. He said, but bring it back to the scripture. Bring it back to the, to the truths and put your gauges in place to make sure. I don't care how wonderful, how warm, uh, 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 how acceptable this sounds. It doesn't line up with the word of God and therefore I, I can't go with it. He said, this is really important. And listen, when he says it's going to be deception, he's saying, pay attention because none of us feel like that we're going to be deceived. Ah, we know we won't be deceived. That's what everybody says until they're deceived. This is super slippery, super subtle, or Jesus wouldn't be leaning in and talking like this. All right, so page number six in your workbook now, we're going to lean in and Jesus is going to describe to us uh, what, what, what this deception is going to be wrapped around. Matthew 24, again, we're in verse 23. He said, then, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ or there, do not believe it. And this is why, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, that's that same word we looked at, if possible, even the elect. And listen to what Jesus finishes with. He says, see, I've told you beforehand. In other words, don't say I didn't warn you. You can't say, well, well I didn't know it. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. He's warning you right here. He's like, okay, don't say I didn't warn you because this is really, really important. All right? So let's go back. And he said, here's what you're going to see pop up. False Christ." This is two words in the English and two words in the Greek. The first word you'll recognize, it's the word pseudo in the Greek. And it's talking about something that's literally not genuine. And here it's referring to a person who misrepresents themselves by what they do and what they say and saying, no, this is the truth, but they're just really good. They're great at telling a tale. They're great at giving a speech and they're using all the right buzzwords and it just sounds right. And if you're not careful, this person's so good, they're bringing a pseudo or an imitation truth. Very, very close to the real thing, unless, unless you're listening and you're measuring with scripture. And he says, these are false Christ. It's the word Christos. It's really a title. It means the anointed or the Messiah. So here, he's saying that was written to the last days. There, there are some people, and there have been hundreds of them since uh, Jesus was resurrected and, and the New Testament church was born, that literally came and said, I'm the Messiah. But it's not limited to that. He's referring to people who are going to convince other people that God has given them a special message. Now, I'll just say it, you know, super practical. These are pastors. These are evangelists. These are people that, you know, that, that are working in, in conferences and crusades. Now, I don't mean to make you suspicious. We don't need to be. We have a measurement that the Bible will tell us who is who. 
But he said, they're going to be people that are going to come and say, I'm sent from the Lord. I have an anointed message. But ultimately, their message will solicit people away from faith in Christ and will just build up a fan base, if you will, for them. It's just making their ministry big, but it's not glorifying and exalting the name of Christ. It's not teaching you to lean on Christ. It's teaching you to lean in and buy into whatever it is that they're teaching, whatever it is that they're selling. And he said, this is going to happen. Not only that, false prophets, same first word, pseudo, it means something that's not true. But the, the, the next word is where we get the word prophet. It's a person who's going to be moved uh, normally, the, the word prophet's a person that's moved by the Holy Spirit to deliver an inspiring message concerning uh, the, the, the current or future events, particularly related to the kingdom. But here, we're talking about somebody who's going to come, and they're going to be delivering these inspiring messages. Listen to me, accurate. They're going to tell you something that's going to happen in the future. They're going to tell you something that is so relevant. How would you know that? How, how, how possibly could you know that? And they're going to look like the Holy Spirit's talking to them, like God's talking to them. But it's not God. These guys are being, and, and gals are being motivated by an evil spirit, and they're, they're promoting falsehoods. And listen, and the Bible says this is going to be so deceptive. People are going to be so mesmerized. Like, how could you possibly know that? You know what? You said this was going to happen in my future, and it happened just like that. And they're going to buy into that hook, and, hook line, and sinker, and they're going to veer off and, and be looking for something that's demonstrative and not listening to Christ. And, and here's what's interesting, too. He said, false Christ and false prophets will arise. This is a great word because it's in your book because it's where we get the word resurrection. And the reason that's important because it's telling us that the rise of false Christ and the rise of false prophets into these prominent ministries and this public view is going to be, first of all, unexpected. Nobody expects a resurrection to happen, right? You go to a funeral because you're ready to say goodbye and memorialize and someone sits up in the casket. You're like, what is going on? Nobody expects that. And so it's going to be unexpected, but listen, it's going to be unmistakably obvious if you're paying attention. All of a sudden, here goes all these things, and, and you have your friends that are, hey, yeah, I went to this thing, and, or I called this line, and I talked to this person, and, and, and you're like, where did that come from? But I want you to notice that the reason that it's so effective is because they are showing great signs and wonders. And the word show literally means to hand somebody something. It's not just a slideshow. It means to impart something. It means you walk away and you got something from it and it, 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 it changed you. It's substantive. And it says that, that the signs and wonders they're going to show are going to be great. This is something of extraordinary size of extraordinary impact, something that I would say would be life-changing. So this is going to be more and more prolific, right? Things are going to happen. They're definitely going to be supernatural. They're definitely going to be impacting. They're going to start popping up everywhere. They're going to become super popular. Uh, lots of people are, 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 are leaning into them, and lots of Christians are being deceived because of it, because they're, they're so impacting and they're so real. And it feels like, yeah, but that made a difference. I, man, I've been praying, and I've been coming to church, and I just couldn't figure it out. And then I talked to this person, and they said, well, here, here's what's going to happen. And they were right. That must be the Lord. And see, we have to be able to understand what's going on because the Bible says, Jesus said, don't, don't tell you I didn't warn you. Lots of people are going to walk away following the pizzazz, 
following the impact, following, following these things that were demonstrating something, and it's really important. Well, we're on page seven and eight in your workbook now, so we gotta talk about what is signs and wonders. Let's begin to, intro, to, to, uh, to introduce this, because the reason, again, that these impostors are gonna be so impacting is because they show great signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are two different things. They always come in a package deal in the New Testament. You, you, don't, you, don't see, you usually don't see wonder, you never see wonders without signs, but you will see signs without wonders. The word signs here literally is, is, describes a mark or a token. And the way it was primarily used uh, in the Greek culture was it referred to a signature or a seal that was applied to a document to guarantee its authenticity. It was, it was kind of like a notary stamp or it was some official stamp that you were looking for in a document to say, okay, this is not a forgery, this is a real, this is an actual, real, uh, believable document. And so it was that sealer, that, that sealer, that stamp. The word wonders here, in, in the Greek you have it in your book, it is an extraordinary occurrence. It's something that causes the observer to just be in awe. Like something happens right in front of you, you're like, what is that? I mean, it literally kind of, your jaw drops and you don't, I don't even know what to say. It's so unexpected and, and it just captivates you. In fact, in the New Testament, not always, but it's often translated for miracles. Here's a few things when, when we talk about wonders that is consistent in the New Testament. Uh, it always, it, it's always plural. And the reason it's plural, it's not talking about like one particular uh, supernatural crazy uh, thing that happens over and over and over. It's talking about all different types, types of things happening. So, so when it describes wonders, it's talking about they're kind of limitless. They can go in just about any area that something supersides this or accelerates this. And what normally might take forever or was impossible to happen happens right in front of your eyes. And it just causes you to be like, what just happened? I mean, it, it, just, it just captivates you. The second thing is uh, wonders is always associated with signs. So anytime you see wonders, you never see it by itself. It's always signs and wonders, signs and wonders. Not true with signs, by the way, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but always signs and wonders. Uh, and because, the reason is because uh, it wants to authenticate God's heart, but the important thing with, with wonders is it's trying to capture the person's attention. It's trying to convince them from the very beginning, hey, what you're about, what, what you're about to understand is not just logic or rationale. There's a supernatural part of this thing, and I want you to understand how real this is, so let me just wow you first. Let me do something that defies every logic and every rationale and just captures your emotion. You're like, and, and then I'm going to convince you about how much I love you and the truth that this is God speaking. And here's the last one. Uh, it's usually a positive authentication. It's usually, in fact, throughout the New Testament, usually it talks about signs and wonders in a very positive thing that God's trying to capture people's heart, convince them, pull them out of discouragement, pull them out of uh, unbelief or impossibility, and pull them back into a trust and a faith into the love of God. But in Matthew 24, it's used to talk about deception. So, so let me give you a positive example. This is Acts chapter 7, verse 36. It, this, is a, this is a sermon being preached about how God delivered the children of Israel. And it says, God brought them out after he had shown wonders 
that's the word we just defined, and signs, that's the word we just defined, in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. And so normally signs and wonders in the New Testament are talking to something, God, to something that God did to convince people that he loves them, that he'll do that in their life. It's not a one-off. It's not just if he's in a good mood that morning, he kind of randomly selects somebody. God's faithful to do what his promise has said. And your workbook tells you you can go to Psalm 105, starting in verse number 26, and you can just read a list of all the signs and wonders God did in the Old Testament while he was in, while the, the, the people of Israel were in Egypt to try and convince Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but also to convince the Israelites that God was telling the truth. He was going to do what he promised and deliver them. And then that translates and comes back into the New Testament. All right, one final thing we're gonna look at. And then I have a passage that I'm super excited to show you because it's gonna be eye-opening for you. So after Jesus talks about this deception that's going to happen and the deception is, you know, is going to lead people astray and, and, and it's going to be with, with, with these demonstrative things that will catch people's attention unexplainable. Yeah, but how do you explain that? You know, she actually told me. He actually said this was going to happen. He actually, you know, did this and something I've been wrestling with just, just got fixed over. How do you explain that? And Jesus is saying it's explained because there are imposters here. And those imposters are being power empowered by an evil force and we need to understand how this works. And so, again, Jesus said the reason that these false leaders are doing this, the whole reason they might think they're doing it to build notoriety, to build wealth, to build influence for themselves, but ultimately there's a whole nother sinister reason, and they're doing it to deceive. And I want you to know they're doing it to, tar and to target and deceive as many people as possible, but primarily they want to deceive God's elect. They want to deceive you as a Christian. They want to deceive people that have chosen to follow God and are doing the best they can to understand the word of God and live like God wants them to. They want to, they want to deceive you for a couple of reasons. One, because in some sense, they've already lost you. And they're trying to get you back. Number two, if they can get you confused, you'll start preaching kind of a sort of pseudo gospel and you'll lead a lot of your friends and a lot of other people astray. So, that, so they're targeting not just the world, they're targeting us as Christians. And Jesus said, don't say I didn't tell you. We have to pay attention to this. Now, now hold on to that and let's see what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Because he's going to talk about this, that this is going to happen the closer we get to the end days. But he's going to say something that's shocking about what's going on today. Watch this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 7 and part of verse 8. Then we're going to jump to verse 9 through 12. That's just for time. You can go back and look. I'm not violating context or anything. Again, Paul's about 50 years later after the day of Pentecost, after the resurrection, and he's talking uh, to these believers in Thessalonica about the return of the Lord and about the last days. Some of the things they're going to have to contend with. Listen to what he said. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. Uh, the word law, the, it, this, is, this is in a supportive scripture in your book, but this part's not going to be in your book. The word lawlessness here it comes from a Greek word that talks about an illegality. 
It talks about a violation of a spiritual law. So he said this violation, this illegality never should happen. It's being perpetrated by terror, spiritual terrorists, by, by evil, the evil uh, players. This is not from the Lord. He said this lawlessness, notice this, is already at work secretly. The word secretly comes from a Greek word that means behind the scenes. People don't understand. People are looking at, they think they see one thing, but behind the scenes, it's something very different. And it goes on and said, and it will remain secret until the one holding it back steps out of the way. Now, again, this is from a spiritual vantage point, right? And, and scholars kind of go back and forth on this. The one holding it back, some scholars say, well, that's the Holy Spirit. He was sent to be here and lead into the truth, and until the Holy Spirit steps away from the scene, then uh, falsehood and, and untruth and evil can't just have free reign. There's always the truth of God's word and the power of God to keep it in check. But once he steps away, then this, all hell's going to break loose, and this thing's just going to have free reign. Some other scholars say, no, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the church, because we are the body of Christ in the world. We're the ones keeping this, this evil uh, at bay so it doesn't get free reign and get rampant because we're holding the standard of truth, because we're believing God, we're authenticating God's reality in, with, by demonstrating our lives, and God is partnering with us. I personally believe it's both. And part of the reason I believe that, because Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will never leave you nor forsake you. So I think that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave till the church leaves, but when the church leaves, the Holy Spirit leaves. And so I think it's both. It's a, com it's a combined package, all right? But nevertheless, he's saying that there's something secretive happening, something sinister happening. People are watching it, but they don't really understand. They're just looking at it at face value. They don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. He said, this, this is ha already at work secretly, and it's going to stay that way until we get to the point where the church and the Holy Spirit is pulled out. And once that happens, this whole thing's just going to implode on itself. It goes on and says this, then the man of lawlessness, now before there was a lawlessness, a spirit of lawlessness, kind of an attitude, a mindset, uh, um, a, a tendency towards this violation, towards this lawlessness, but once the Holy Spirit, once the church taken out of the way, then now we have the man of lawlessness, that's the Antichrist. Right? So now we have the man of lawlessness, then he's going to be revealed, and that's the Greek word apokalupto. It means then the curtain's going to be pulled back, and everybody's going to get to see, oh, this wasn't just kind of an attitude or a cultural leaning or, you know, this is a worldview. No, there was actually something behind this. And this guy's going to step onto the scene, but I want you to notice the Bible says, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Back to the Antichrist. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs, there's that same word, and miracles, that's the same word as wonders. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Why? Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Some people argue that's some Christians too because they know the truth but they won't lean into the truth and they easily are deceived and buy into a lie and they drift. Paul talks to Timothy about that in the last days. There's a drift that happens. It doesn't mean you have to drift. It means 
People are, are not going to want to pay attention. They're not going to want to lean in. And so the drift, the current will just take them because they're not, they're not moving any certain direction. We're just here. We're just going to church. We're just doing the best we can. We're just loving Jesus. But they're not paying attention. And so they're going to drift. And this says that he's going to come and he's, he's going to pull them away because they, they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Verse number 11. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Verse 12. Then they will be condemned for, listen, enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. They had a choice. The opportunity was right there. But day after day after day, they drifted. Little compromise here, little adjustment there, uh, little comfortability, little instant gratification, and they're not paying attention to what the Lord says. Okay, now let me sum it up real quick so we can kind of move and, and get to the very last part. If we look at what Jesus said in Matthew 24 about how slippery and deceptive and, and how, how this is going to involve uh, things that will just be, be eye-catching, will be life-changing for you. And then 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, this, this is going to increase, listen to me, for anybody who says, yeah, I don't get into all that supernatural power stuff, too bad. It's accelerating in the earth whether you buy into it or not. This is going to happen. This is real. And in fact, I'm going to show you in just a minute, it's already happening right in front of your eyes. Some of you don't, you're not, you're not paying attention. You, you don't see it because you're not looking at it. So it's kind of like this is happening secretly and you're just not paying attention, but it is happening just the way Jesus said. And as Christians, we don't get to say, yeah, we're just not really into all that supernatural stuff. Too bad. I mean, it's happening in dramatic fashion. And Jesus said it's going to continue. In fact, in the same way the New Testament says that God uses signs and wonders and the gifts of the Spirit and will increase those in the last days. In the same way he does that, there, there's an enemy here that is working to increase a counterfeit that's so compelling that even some believers will be able to buy into this. Now, some of you might be thinking, is that possible? I mean, can that really happen? I mean, am, am I somewhere in, you know, in, in the drift or in the danger zone? And, and on, uh, on page number nine, I covered this. Listen to me. We just read it. Second Thessalonians chapter two, 2000 years ago said, it's not, is it possible to happen? It's already happening. It was happening back then. He said, no, I'm telling you about how it'll climax, but I'm telling you it's already at work in secret. People are not even paying attention. Now, you think, well, I don't know. Let, let me just give you a few stats. You go check them out online. Uh, you, you can just Google in, and here's what you're going to find out. There, there is an acceleration of interest, and has been for a while, but particularly post-COVID or during the COVID area, era and post-COVID, there's been this massive acceleration in interest in people Googling, people doing searches, people involving themselves in, in occultism, in astrology, in tarot card and psychic readings, in witchcraft, in spells and in incantations. And this is accelerating all over the globe. I wish I could tell you that it doesn't involve Christians, but the best I can do is that Christians happen to be in the minority, thank the Lord, but they're in there. They're the ones doing the same searches. They're leaning in. Why? They're desperate for supernatural. Some of those same Christians that are weirded out by the supernatural in the Bible, if, they're just, if they'd sober up a little bit, yeah, but we need something beyond ourselves. We need supernatural, so they're looking for it somewhere else. 
And the Bible says, and there's the deception. Let me read you uh, some portions of an article from CBN News. This, by the way, was just this past week, November the 2nd, uh, 22nd. Kind of a long title, uh, but here's the title. Witch Talk Booms to 30 Billion Views on TikTok. Ex-Witch Warns Preschool Witchcraft Targeting Kids. Now listen to some of the excerpts. You can go find the article, by the way. TikTok, the popular social media platform that's known for quick videos, one-minute dance challenges, and its viral trends, is now being recognized as a hub for witches and warlocks. Videos with hashtag witchtalk have amassed more than 30 billion views and have made it easier for would-be witches or those interested in the occult to learn more about it, according to the BBC. One practicing witch said, TikTok has changed the way we practice witchcraft. It's so acceptable now to learn from social media and to perform spells and magic right there on the platform. A lady by the name of Jenny Weaver, a former witch turned born-again believer and minister, said she's shocked at how widespread and accepting these dark practices have become, listen, even within the church. I'm, uh, I'm seeing it become very trendy on TikTok and other platforms like that as a whole generation of people are being rocked to sleep by the enemy and it's just time for the church to sound the alarm and say no more. We need to wake up and we need to, we need to say this is not right, this is not for my home, this is not for my kids. And yet while some parents and lawmakers are pushing for more and more safety precautions, there's a growing community that wants to introduce children to witches. She continues and says, media has done a great job of pushing this to the point now it's normalized. We have shows as early as daycare age promoting witchcraft and sorcery by teaching and saying things like, okay, boys and girls, now say these spells and these words with me. And she said, and those that have practiced it realize it's just the ABCs, the preschool approach to learning witchcraft. And it's getting into the hearts and minds of people. And she emphasizes again, including people in the church. Now listen, that's just one article, but I'm telling you, you can go find it out there. It's happening. Look, look at all the movies that are coming out. Look at some of the celebrities now that are coming out with reality shows as they're exploring, you know, the paranormal and the dead. Look at what's going on with Walt Disney and some of those places that, I mean, for years, for decades, these, these were innocent, fun-loving things. And now, man, they, they've just taken a dark turn. Listen to me, this is not accidental. This is not just a cultural leaning. This is what Paul talked to us in 2 Thessalonians. And he said, this is happening. This is going to happen. And we need to kind of open our eyes and realize it's not just the thing. It's what's behind the thing and where it's trying to take us. Now, let, let me tell you some other articles, some other studies you can look up. And that is how the church has made itself vulnerable. And that is that over the past couple of decades, we've just made ourselves vulnerable to what is termed as spiritual consumerism. Right? So church isn't really about, at the heartbeat, about serving the Lord and laying down your life as a sacrifice, picking up your cross and following him for the kingdom. It's about what's in it for me. Do I like that church? Is that something that makes me feel good? Do I have fun there? And all of these kinds of things. But, but what we're doing is we're trading a self-gratification for the, the maturity and solidity that comes from building our character and building our lives according to the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've done this for decades now. 
And because of that, it's made us really vulnerable. And I'm telling you, in the last days, this has set us up. We want more and more sensationalism. I want to feel something. I want to see something. I want to experience something. And by the way, that's wonderful. I'm telling you, you'll see more, you'll feel more, you'll experience more in a relationship with the Holy Spirit than you ever thought possible. But we're looking for the fringe things, right? We're just looking for the little tinglies, and that sets us up for this deception. All right, here we go. We're going to finish off here. This won't take us very long. Three truths about signs and wonders. Three truths about signs and wonders. Truth number one, a biblical understanding of signs and wonders will safeguard the believer from spiritual deception and equip them to live victorious in the last days. Now, I'm going to read a scripture here, and I'm just going to tell you, it's explained in your workbook. I don't have time to get into it, but I'm going to give a nuance for it. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. We're looking to experience something, right? I mean, come on, if you're really who you say you are, prove it to us. Do something wonderful. Do something something magical, right? Because that should be supernatural. And listen to what Jesus said. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And yet no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the man. Uh, I I give you three practical uh, tips there about what this means and some examples there. But let me just look at number three. Here's the essence of it. These people wanted a sign. They wanted to see something, feel something, so that they could believe God. The Bible says those signs follow those who already believe. Point number three says believers are to live by faith in God's word, not to seek after experiences and signs, nor to let those automatically be be, uh, the authentication that something is true. And yet that's what Christians are doing. Man, I'm telling you, you got to go to this because, man, I was there and I just felt, and, and I'm stopping short because there's nothing wrong with feeling. There's nothing wrong with experiences, but when your life is chasing a feeling and chasing an experience and chasing something that's instant gratification through some kind of a miraculous thing, and you're doing it not building the maturity and not building the principles of God's word in your life, something's dangerously wrong. And you become very vulnerable to it. Here's the wonderful thing. When you go back to doing it God's way, it's not this dry, you know, just kind of trudging along, well, I'm just doing the right thing. God will fill your life with signs. He will authenticate. I mean, miracles begin to happen. Some of them everybody can see, and some of them are so personal that they're only important to you. But God's a supernatural God. And he wants to do this, but we have to do it right. That's what will safeguard our life. Here's number two. While all signs and wonders are supernatural, not all supernatural power is spectacular. Now, this is really a defining point for a lot of you who object to this. Because part of the reason that I know a lot of Christians don't want to have anything to do with supernatural power because they think all of it is kind of wild and unbridled. They think, I'm going to have to act like a crazy person And I'm going to have to do things that are completely outside of my temperament and my personality. They're outside of my understanding. But I'm just going to have to get out there and just start acting crazy. And and every once in a while, something wonderful will happen. Listen to me, that's a very loose and a very haphazard approach to the power of God. And I want you to understand what we're going to be driving to. We're going to be looking at what the Bible says, signs, 
that are supposed to authenticate your life. But listen to me, not all of those signs are going to be spectacular. You're not, you're really not, really not paying. We're not really going for spectacular, to be honest with you. We're going for authentication. We're going for that this authenticates that God's in our life. Let me quickly, quickly give you the difference. We've already defined the, uh, what, what the word sign and what the word wonder means. But let me just point this out. When we look at a sign, a sign is given to authenticate. Remember, it's the seal on a document that says, boy, that, that's the real deal. So you might notice the authentication. You might look for it and say, yep, there's the authentication. But, but the document's the important thing. It's authenticating what you're really trying to get to, and that's the document. A sign will authenticate God's word. Sometimes that sign is prominent and noticeable, but lots of times that sign is subtle, and it happens over a period of time. Now, a wonder is very different. A wonder also ultimately authenticates God's word, but a wonder startles the observer to try to get your attention or to pull you out of discouragement or pull you out of unbelief or pull you out of some notion that God really doesn't care about you. He really won't do these amazing things in your life. He just wants you to kind of, you know, struggle along and do the best you can. And God will come do something wondrous in your life and it'll cause you to step back and go, wow so that God can authenticate and say, see, I told you I love you. I told you I would do exactly what I promised I would do. These are two very, very different things. And we have to recognize this. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm letting a little bit of the cat out of the bag. We're gonna study this in detail. One of the problems with Christians not wanting to, to lean into signs and wonders is because a sign will authenticate, not always immediately, not always spectacularly, but it will do it every single time because God promised it would. But lots of Christians say, okay, then we're going to pray and we're going to trust God. And we pray and we open our eyes and it doesn't look like anything happened. And we're like, see, I knew it. I knew it. I, I knew it just doesn't work for me. Because you were expecting a wonder when God promised a sign. Once you understand the difference, the whole game changes. The whole game changes. You're like, oh, okay, now I know what I'm looking for. You were expecting a wonder but God gave you a sign, but you walked away from it. In fact, some of you have been so disappointed so many times because the wonder didn't show up and you thought signs and wonders were the same thing. You thought I'm supposed to do this and the wonder's gonna show up and it didn't show up and you've done it so many times trying to encourage yourself. Well, let's try it again, let's try it again. You won't even do it anymore. You're not even praying anymore. You know that God can do this stuff but you're not even asking him to do it anymore because you don't want to be disappointed. You're certainly not asking him to do it for somebody else because you don't want to be embarrassed. And you don't want to give them some kind of a false hope. See, we got to unscramble that. This is part of the enemy strategy. If he can neutralize all of us, right? Even if we get to heaven, that's great. But we're all these little, you know, these little powerhouses, these little battery cells that should be contributing as lighthouses to the world, but we shut everything down. We're not using any of it because we don't understand, because we're afraid, because we're disappointed, we're confused. That's not what the Bible says. Here's truth number three. Every believer is expected to authenticate Christ's power with supernatural sign. Let me read you a few more scriptures and I'm done right here. Mark chapter 16, we're back there again. And he said to them, go into, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is, and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Definite article. This is not up for negotiation. 
if you'll trust the Lord and you'll do what he said, these signs will authenticate that God is real and God's faithful and he keeps his promise. They happen just like they're supposed to. And these signs will follow those who believe and he gives five of them. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, those are five signs. We're going to talk about what all they mean because I promise you a lot of Christians have no idea what they mean. But once you understand them, you're going to be like, oh, that actually makes sense. I actually need that in my life. And we're going to begin to see how to do this. Let's keep going. It says, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs, amen, or so be it. That's exactly the way it happened. Now, here's what you don't read. In between verse 19 and verse 20 happens the, the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost. Remember, Jesus said, okay, go preach, but don't do anything yet. Go get empowered by the Holy Spirit first. But then once you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, then get out there and get busy. And the Bible says that's exactly what they did. And as they went in obedience, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they went in obedience and did exactly what God said. God said, I told you I would do it. God confirmed, authenticated their life with signs that demonstrated, yep, this is a living God. Listen to me. If, if you believe in the Great Commission, I'm not asking if you participate. Again, many Christians, I want to say most, but many don't. But let's just say that you're at least willing to acknowledge and say, I believe in the Great Commission. And you don't have any excuse but to believe in this five accompanying signs that goes with the Great Commission. It's a package deal. Jesus didn't just expect that you would share your testimony. He expected you would share your testimony and people would watch your life and your life would authenticate that you really are in a relationship with a supernatural God who loves you, who changes things, who doesn't leave us just do the best we can. But one day, heaven's gonna be great. But at times, brings heaven down to earth. And this is what we're gonna learn because I'm telling you, we're gonna need this in the last days. Number one, to be safeguarded against all this crazy other stuff that, that's, that's accelerating. It's happening more and more. And you need to understand something about the power of God and how to demonstrate that so that you can have the real, so you're not tempted or deceived by the, by the, the, the fake or the phony. But the other reason is because the world's crazy. We, we need supernatural wisdom. We need supernatural power. We need supernatural healing and protection. We need to understand some things about what the Bible offers us. And as we do, God said, you watch, I'll step up. And I'll make sure that as you believe and you step into this, I will authenticate it and it will happen just the way it's supposed to. And your life will begin to demonstrate that God's alive. Hope you've been blessed by God's word today. Stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. And, uh, and we're, going to, uh, we're going to dismiss. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you so much for promising us authenticating signs and wonders. Promising us, Lord that you would do what you promised you would do in your word as we step out. Holy Spirit, I'm asking now, take us through this last section of this study. Help us now open our eyes, encourage us, build our confidence, give us peace in some areas, but help us to understand what you're offering us and help us to understand how we are to, to engage this so that we can be blessed and so you can bless others through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. 
For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.